Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, October the 24th. In this podcast, we're discussing homelessness and health, a two-part clinical series in the latest issue of The Lancet, dated October the 25th to the 31st. And for this podcast, I'm joined by one of the authors behind this series, Professor Sina Fazel, who is Professor of Forensic Psychiatry at the University of Oxford. And I began the podcast by asking him to give the background to the series, which connects health and homelessness. It's an area where I think an ex- a supreme example of what happens when health services break down for vulnerable populations. In a way, it's a barometer of how well the provision of health is, health care is to a population, because this is the, the most vulnerable group and in a way the first to fall. So homeless people, I think they're, they're an exemplar of, in a way, how to deal with the most difficult to treat people, the most difficult to reach people, a group of individuals where there's lots of comorbidities. And so I think an important area to focus series on, and the reason why we split it into two is we felt that there needed to be a separate piece on the epidemiology, what are the problems, and then also a little bit about the background in terms of definitions, rates of homelessness around the world, and then a second paper looking at interventions and what evidence is behind those interventions. That's the rationale for having two parts to the series. Just to tease out some of those epidemiological things that you mentioned in, in paper one, homeless people sadly have always existed and continue to exist. The point here is just, just looking specifically at the health issues, give some examples that we may feel we already know, but clearly homeless people have some very specific health problems, don't they? They do. And I think one, one of the things we did, and I think it's relatively novel, is that we, we, we tried to bring together the information on physical and mental health together. And what tends to happen previously in the literature is people and separated them out so you have papers that focus on infections and homeless people or substance abuse and homeless people but what we try to do is bring it all together in terms of what stands out i mean i think one of the things that stands out is the high rates of mortality standardized mortality ratios wherever you look tend to be raised you know between two and five times the other thing that stands out i think is you know, there's particular health problems around infectious diseases here the rates of Hepatitis C are particularly high as are hepatitis B and tuberculosis is, is quite prevalent, up to 8% in some surveys and that compared to the general population is, is really a very large excess between 20 and 40 times what you'd expect in the general population. I and mean, the other area, one that we've been interested in previously as well is psychiatric morbidity, so quite high rates particularly of drug and alcohol problems. And unusually for pretty much any population, you have as high a rate of psychosis as you do as depression in homeless people. I mean, wherever you, I mean, I've looked previously in, for instance, prisoners, and prisoners, you know, depression is higher than psychosis, but here you have an unusual example of where psychosis is as high as depression. And different studies report different rates, but they sort of range between 5 to 20%, so very high prevalence rates compared to general population where, you know, in psychosis it would be around 1% at most. There are two areas in particular, mortality that's um, overall mortality is sort of overall outcome, but also underlying that quite high rates of infectious diseases, psychiatric illnesses, and then on top of that also quite quite high rates of injuries, so that we see a lot of data pointing towards high rates of falls, burns, poisonings, being violently victimised as well. Obviously, it paints a pretty depressing picture. Are you looking at this globally or just within the context of UK, Europe or USA? Because homeless people do exist everywhere. And and my second point is, apart from the moral obligation that societies have, you know, to try and reduce homelessness and therefore the health 
negative health aspects that goes with being homeless. Where you have a health system like the National Health Service, for example, there's an incredible cost here, isn't there? So it becomes a matter of policy. That's right, yes. So there are our review does focus on high-income countries, and you're right. Um, in in, in high-income countries, the, the cost implications are, are important to note. So homeless people do use um, emergency medicine more often. I mean, when when they are admitted to hospital, they tend to stay longer. So there are important cost implications. And one of the things that we we suggest in our in our pieces is the health of homeless people should be included in national targets. To, to improve health. So if you have a, a health initiative, let's say, around suicide prevention, there should be as part of that something around targeting high-risk groups, which include homeless people. So, I mean, I think that, that's one of the, the major implications to come out of our review. And presumably, uh, another key point is, whilst we're discussing the health aspects of homelessness, clearly from a policy point of view, homelessness comes down to local authorities and management, social services, housing, these type of departments within local government. So is what you're saying in this series, these other areas like housing and the ones I've just mentioned, they need to be fully aware of the health issues? Or is it the other way around? Do health need to be aware of the homelessness, housing and, and, and social services type problems? So I think both. I mean, I think it's, it's important for, for health healthcare providers to be aware of all the services that are available and the um, you know the links to transitional, good, good, good quality housing. You know, whether it's permanent or, or just a stepping stone to get more housing interventions. So that needs to be done. But in order to tackle the problem, I think nationally there there needs to be some larger scale policy changes directed at you know improving or increasing the um, availability of affordable housing. So stopping some of the sort of structural factors which increased rates of homelessness. So here we have a, a problem which is which does cross boundaries obviously. So it does, you know, so the the solution is is not going to be purely to solve the health of homeless people. It's also around providing a really integrated service where housing interventions are available. And there's some randomized controlled trials where this has been part of the, the trial that they've targeted very ill homeless people and they've provided housing immediately. And then once the housing has been provided, they've been able then to administer health care for some of the very chronic conditions and very hard to treat conditions that people have, 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 have got. To think about combining the two and, and, and how, that's, uh, how that's done will depend on individual areas, but I think part of it is the awareness of, 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 of medical staff and healthcare staff of what the range of services that are available and then also the, the wider context, which is that the, this isn't going to be solved purely by better provision of healthcare. There needs to be larger scale policy changes to provide you know, more, things like more affordable housing and also some of the services will have to be commissioned from uh, centrally because they cross various boundaries. Again, there's quite interesting evidence to suggest that one, one very high-risk population is one that's transitioning out of places like prisons and long-term institutions such as care homes. And, and, you know, transitional programs focusing on those individuals need social care to work with healthcare to think about what we can do. I mean, who, who are these people? How can we case manage their... Um... Absolutely. And, and it's a classic example, isn't it, in the UK, just for the moment, about this massive debate that's going on about 
the bridge between healthcare and social care. I mean, the homelessness is a, is a classic case study of that, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Final point, it's fascinating, could talk about it for, for, for ages, but talking about the high-income countries, can we learn from best practice or good practice? Are there examples of areas within countries or other examples of countries generally that are getting this situation, these problems sorted, where other countries can, can catch up? Yes, there are. There are some good quality interventions, which a couple have, have been done in the US, where they've, they've actually focused on, on a proportion of homeless people. So one of the studies looked at people with very severe mental illness, and the other one looked at high users of emergency departments. And there, there are interventions. And the key thing about them is really the integration of the housing and the health. So the, 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 the intervention involved two, two, two arms, in a sense, the healthcare intervention plus um, uh, the housing, so it's a, it's, a, it's a multifaceted intervention. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is, interesting enough, there are some countries where homeless rates have gone down in the last few years, and you know, the Netherlands is one and Finland is one, so maybe it's a question of also looking at what those countries have done, and we weren't able to find you know, good published evidence about this, but it may be that that's still to come, and, 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 um, and, and people may wish to look more closely at what initiatives those countries have introduced to to address the, the the underlying structural factors, also health factors that increase rates of homelessness. So, I think there's there's things you can do for people once they're homeless to either reduce the chronicity of the homelessness or or to um, actually improve various health outcomes when people are homeless. And I think there, there's there's a sort of another range of things which I think are less well researched. Was how do you prevent the problem in the first place? And that of course much more difficult to do good quality research because it's not going to lend itself to, to randomized controlled trials. There may be good practice that people can learn from and, and I think you know, there, there are countries where you see that they've targeted high-risk groups. In, in, in the US, they targeted actually family homelessness uh, after 2010 and they found a reduction by, by specifically targeting um, that high-risk population. And as I said before, the Netherlands and Finland have have managed to reduce it, while the rest of Northern Europe um, rates of homelessness have gone up in the, over the last decade. Really interesting topic and uh, excellent to discuss it. More details in the two papers. But uh, in the meantime, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. More information about this two-part series on thelancet.com. See you next time.